right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the No Laying Up podcast. My name is Randy. We are previewing the Evian Championship today with my special guest, Grant Boone. We're going to hear from him in just a minute. Before we get there, I want to thank today's sponsor, and that is FootJoy. I want to take a moment to talk about our friends at FootJoy. They're the official shoe for No Laying Up, and FootJoy is the number one shoe at the Evian Championship And honestly, it's the number one shoe at just about every level of women's golf. It's the number one shoe on the LPGA Tour, the Ladies European Tour, at the NCAA Women's Championships, at the Women's Amateur, the National High School Golf Championships. The list goes on and on. And a big part of it is that FootJoy only makes golf shoes and has for nearly 100 years. And when they make them for women, they make them in more sizes, more styles, and more options than anyone else. And they make them specifically for women with unique elements designed to maximize their performance and comfort. Players who care about their game care about what's on their feet. And whether it's women, men or juniors, professionals or amateurs, more of these players lace up a pair of foot joys when they get ready to play. So just like Jess Corda, Danielle Kang, Bronte Law, and half of every LPGA tournament field, we at No Laying Up also are among the nation of players who trust their game to the overwhelming number one shoe in golf, FootJoy. Thank them very much for being a sponsor of all we do. And now let me get to my conversation with Grant Boone. This is another major week on the LPGA Tour. They are just coming fast and furious. We've we've had uh, two recently. We have our third in the stretch of, of four. Of course, the Women's British Open will be in a couple of weeks over outside of London. But this week is the Evian championship over in france and to help me preview all of the action this weekend good friend and commentator for nbc golf channel mr grant boone grant welcome back how are you sir bonjour monsieur randy how's that (laughs) that's that's the extent of my francais yeah uh well you know weirdly i've been taking french lessons on duolingo for about a year now and Mm -hmm. uh how's that going yeah i just got Well, it's, I enjoy it, but I just got really nervous. I'm like, oh God, I really don't know much French if I have to speak it all of a sudden. Bonjour means good day. Yeah, we, we, uh, je m'appelle Randy. Grande Randy. Yes. So anyway, I, we can take the French off air. You can find Grant on Twitter. He's a great follow at Grant Boone on Twitter. You are not in France this year, but this is a tournament you've been to many times in the past. I believe your first, you were telling me, was 2002. So I, let's start here. Can you just kind of set the scene? I Because everything I hear about this championship is it's the most gorgeous location. It's rather difficult to get to, and the course is funky. Uh, are, are those things more or less accurate? I think we nailed it. I mean, that's the podcast, really, <laughs> right there. And then a major champion will win. Usually someone who's won before or a major before will, will go ahead and win. It's on the shores of Lac Lemont, as they say there, Lake Geneva, as we would say in English. And you fly into Geneva, Switzerland generally, uh, and you actually go west to get underneath uh, Lake Geneva there. And 
It is. It's a spectacular setting. If if you if you can recall, if you've got kids or goodness, I guess people listening probably grew up watching Beauty and the Beast. That little that little opening montage as Belle is walking through the village and you know Marie the baguettes, hurry up! I mean, you feel like you're you know in like a a deleted scene from from Beauty and the Beast. Some would describe you know Evian Masters Golf Club in those kinds of terms, depending on who you ask. Uh, beautiful to some, uh, beastly for others, and that's the nature of uh, sometimes major championships. Players have preferences, but it is this cozy little village that's been around forever, and uh, it, it's on a hillside. It overlooks uh, Lake Geneva, and uh, not unlike Pebble Beach, there aren't a lot of similarities, but not unlike Pebble, you can just look over and get lost. It, it's that it it it's maybe the most beautiful place I've ever been on the planet. And I haven't been everywhere, but I've been a lot of places, and it is truly spectacular. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, the tournament has evolved over the years. The golf course has evolved some over the years, uh, and uh, now here we are for what will be the tenth playing of this event. As a major championship, didn't play in 2020 because of COVID. So this will be the 10th playing as a major. When I, I, I appreciate you kind of touching on the history because I do want to dive in there. Before we do, though, I should say Brooke Henderson is our defending champion. She won her second major at the Evian last year. The TV windows for, and I will state these in Eastern Daylight Time for those in the United States, Thursday and Friday, 5 to 7 a.m., on Golf Channel, and then 9.30 to 11.30 a.m. on Golf Channel. And then you're going to have uh, two hours on the NBC Sports app, 7 to 8 a.m., and then 11.30 to 12.30 p.m. And then on Saturday and Sunday, it's just straight through on Golf Channel, 5.30 to 11 a.m. Eastern. So Grant being in Denver, this is a tournament uh, I'm going to have to set the DVR for because I just can't wake up that early, much like, um, you know, the, the men's British Open last week. Uh, but some good coverage there. So I hope I hope folks will turn in. Um, I mentioned the history, and I feel like that's that's an interesting discussion. So let me just lay out some facts for folks, and then I have a couple questions to ask you. This tournament started in 1994. It was originally called the Evian Masters. It was a ladies' European tour event. And then in 2000, it became a co-sanctioned event between the LPGA and the LET. Fast forward another decade or so. In 2011, Mike Wan, then commissioner of the LPGA, designated it to become a major championship starting in 2013. So as a major, it was first played in September over those first six years, I think weather and daylight uh, made folks reconsider. They have moved it to the last weekend of July, where it currently sits today. And then just the other note, there was no tournament in 2020 due to the pandemic. Uh, so this will be the 10th playing of this tournament as a major. And thus far, nobody has won it twice as a major. So Grant, from your knowledge, and you've obviously, you know, you were going to this tournament as far back as 2002. Can you help color in the context around the women's game and why this tournament was so important and perhaps why it became designated as a major championship back in 2011? 
Sure. As you said, it began as an LET event, and then it really kind of became uh, a bit of a reward for LPGA players who played well. It was a limited field event. Uh, the best players from the U U.S. would come over. It, it almost felt like a silly season event, except it was shoehorned right into the middle of the season. I mean, literally there were years where you would play the old McDonald's LPGA championship, which became the KPMG. And then Wednesday you'd start at Evian. It'd be a Wednesday through Saturday. Uh, it just, it was insane how they would do it. And yet you'd get great feels because the purse was outrageous. This was the brainchild of Frank Ribou, who is uh, the, the head of Denon company, Evian Water. Uh, in America, Dan and Yogurt, um, you know, it's a, just a massive conglomerate over there. And Frank is a massive golf fan, and he wanted to create for the women's game something akin to the Masters in men's golf. Uh, in those early years, they would receive uh, a sweater, like a pinkish sweater that was beautiful and probably cost thousands of dollars. I'm sure they don't really skimp over there, except when they get to the beach. It's a tournament that really had designs on being something different, something special. And you look at the winners. I mean, Annika won, Julie Inkster won. It, it was a bit. Natalie Golbus came over and won. That's her only LPGA victory of all things. And there was so much money they were playing for that even if you didn't like the golf course and even if you didn't want to, you know, play a major, then hop on a flight overnight and have a day and a half to get ready, you know, you'd do it anyway because the money was so good. And that's the way it was for several years. They finally moved it to July sometime, you know, early 2000s. So so that at least it would be before the AIG. Players weren't having to, to go you know, literally back and forth. I mean, it, there were some years, if you look back, it was they'd play in Wilmington, Delaware. Then they'd go to Evian. Then they'd come back and they'd play in Rochester. I mean, out, just insane. But the money was was great. Well, then all of a sudden you get to, as you mentioned, 2011. Mike Juan inherited you know, quite literally a mess. And there were just a handful of tournaments left on the LPGA Tour, a number of longtime events on the LPGA Tour, uh, venerable, you know, uh, tournaments that players loved coming to went away, some sponsors left. And the, the LPGA that Mike Juan inherited had four major championships, and three of them were very seriously on the ropes. The only one that for sure was going to be around was the U.S. Women's Open, and that was because it was run by the USGA. But, you know, the Kraft Nabisco folks were going to be leaving Mission Hills. Uh, you, uh, you you didn't know what was going to happen with the British Open. They had, you know, Weedabix, you know, as a sponsor, and Rico, and no one was exactly sure who, you know, is it going to be breakfast cereal this year? Who's going to Who's going to sponsor the event? That, that was very much on shaky ground. Um, uh, and, and you know, then you had the LPGA championship and, you know, that started bouncing around. And so here comes Mike. He's got one surefire. You knew the U.S. Women's Open would be there. But the other three either needed desperately needed sponsors. They needed major overhauls. And here comes Frank Rabu and, and Evian basically saying, if we don't become a major, and, and I, I'm paraphrasing, but if we don't become a major, then, you know, we're going to, you know, maybe find something else to do with this money and, and no longer put this in into women's golf. And so if you're you can criticize Mike all you want and, and I get it. I mean, they 
a fifth major seems weird. Uh, it's why we have this odd situation now that the LPGA says you've won the career slam if you win four of the five majors, which I think is 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 also strange. It created just you know um, just some asymmetry, if you will. But in Mike's defense, he didn't know. He, he, he really thought there was at least an outside chance. There might be two majors, Evian and the U.S. Open, if things didn't go great. Uh, so he signed off on it, and yeah, they moved around September. Now they're back to July. Uh, and and I, I think it's, it's easy for the casual fan to – and I know you guys uh, you know, love to, to poke fun. It, it, it's, an e- it's a bit of an easy target. But at the same time, you look at the at the um, the landscape when Mike Wan took over, and it, it was dicey at best. Yeah, and it it is an easy target, and I want to get into that. I, I think at least on this side of uh, the Atlantic Ocean, a lot of that probably has to do with some prominent American golfers that have said bad things about the course and have chosen not to play, which, you know, how can you just choose to not go over and play in a major? We'll get to that. I, I'm glad, though, you brought up Frank and and the other guy, Jacques. Jacques Bonger. Yes. Jacques Bonger. I mean, these names are right out of a, you know, Victor Hugo novel. Yes. I found in Ron Syrak, he, in writing for, uh, in, in writing in 2019, said, and and I'm quoting Ron, it, speaking of the Evian Championship, it makes a statement about how female golfers should be treated, a statement that for a quarter century now has grown in its vision, inspiring others to follow. And I do think it's worth reiterating Evian giving out purses that, you know, were, were among, if not the best in the women's game. As you said, they were providing a wonderful onside experience for the players, which I guess is, has not always been the case at, at every tour stop. And it's in this beautiful setting. You know, you talked about maybe one of the most beautiful places on earth. And I think the other feather in its cap is it's the only major on the LPGA or the PGA tour that isn't held in the United States or the UK. And I think that's kind of cool, quite honestly. Having said that, though, Grant, with five majors and with this kind of cumbersome environment that it creates for more so casual fans and, you know, we're trying to, and my hand's up as somebody that's somewhat new to the women's game, but as more people come to the women's game and they start learning about, well, why do they have five majors? And I think Evian quickly becomes, well, why is that a major? In your opinion, is it time for either Evian to kind of reimagine itself and, and to kind of push boundaries again? Or if you could, you know, take over the LPGA leadership, would you want to bring the number of majors down to four? I, talk to me about, you know, what, or is it fine at five? I mean, honestly, it might be as simple as that. I, I'm really curious your opinion. You know, I have no problem with, you know, at this point with five majors, I, I I do think that when you consider that, as Ron wrote about, it it came true. They did lead the way, and and now they're they're not the most lucrative non-major. Uh, they're a major now, and and they're not the most lucrative major. They're, um, I guess what are they fourth tied for fourth maybe or maybe they 
I, you know, I'd have to double check this year. And, and the purses change when you get to each week, which is, I think, a weird thing. Some of the, the crew and I were talking last week you know, or a couple of weeks ago at Pebble when we got there. The USGA in a conference call the previous week said, oh, we don't, we're not ready to comment on the purse yet. Which, uh, yeah, it's, they, they had always announced it the week of, which I think is it's like they're passing the hat to see how much they can, can, can scrounge up. And we came up with $11 million this year, which is great. You know, it would be interesting to, to see what would happen if, if Molly Marcuse-Saman were to say, Evian, you've had a great role uh, on the LPGA Tour now for a quarter century as first, an LE, first as an LPGA regular season event. For the last decade as a major, um, we're going to need, you know, we're, we're asking, you know, these major championships, you know, to, to keep going up. And, and um, I, I think they would have to get Chevron to do the same thing. Uh, may, maybe if you said 10 million is going to be our, our baseline threshold, you've got that at the KPMG, you've got that at the U.S. Women's Open. Um, if, if you were to set 10 million as, as a baseline, what would Evian say? I don't know. Uh, maybe they would say, great, now, you know, let's go 11. Maybe they would want to go 12. I don't know. But, you know, at, at, at this point, it's been a decade. There are, if you look at the number of players who will be competing this week at the Evian Championship, I would say the majority of them began their LPGA Tour careers since Evian became a major, which is a weird thing to say. But if you if you consider that you began your LPGA career in 2013 and this is your 11th year on the LPGA tour, that's certainly you know far more than half of the LPGA tour are have been on tour less than that amount of time, less than 10, 11 years. So I think for a lot of them that that's the only tour they know, the Evian Championship. And is it quirky? Yeah. Um, is, is it weird to, you know, some years they played the Evian and the AIG back to back, just like this year they played KPMG and U.S. Women's Open a week off in between, but no tournaments in between. Okay. Yeah, maybe as you say, the only major outside of the UK, uh, and the U.S. and majors in general, Randy, let's face it. We, what is a major? I mean, I heard you guys talking about this on the Chevron podcast. What makes a major? Golf course? Yeah. Purse? I mean, I think. Um, field? All those things. Well, you know, is the, why isn't the Players' Championship a major on the men's side? It's got all those things. You could say, you, Some people think the cor- course is quirky. Some people think Augusta National is quirky. But he, here's the thing that I've said before that I think is really interesting. When you control, when you have control over what is a major and what isn't, it gives you some advantages, and I think it has some disadvantages. When you don't control it, like the PGA Tour, it has some advantages and disadvantages. Uh, if you're the tour and there is no governing body in men's golf to say this is a major, it evolved. It was basically Arnold Palmer telling Bob Drum, you know, the, the sports writer from Pittsburgh, when they were discussing Bobby Jones' Grand Slam of 1930. He said, you know, to me, the, the modern Grand Slam is, you know, it's the Masters, it's the U.S. Open, it's the British Open, as he called it, and it's the PGA Championship. I mean, that was like 1960 that he said that. Well, n- nobody declared that to be, you know, um, in perpetuity, the Grand Slam, but it almost became more official 
because it, it, there was no one doing it. It just became, well, Arnold Palmer said it, and therefore that's right. And then everyone since then has accepted it. Really, you think about the Players' Championship, it is what the PGA Championship used to be. It is the flagship event of the governing body of the tour. The difference is back then the PGA ran the club pros and the touring pros. Um, but it couldn't change at that point. We've already decided the PGA is a major. Well, um, in women's golf, you've got the LPGA deciding this is a major, this isn't. Uh, the, the, the advantage for men is that there is this history and this almost mystique about them, and no one can change it. Uh, the problem is, what if you need to change it? What if the players actually, in some of those years, was better you know, than the PGA Championship? Uh, or deserves to be the fifth major in, in men's golf. There's no one to say that you can do that, even if it deserves it. In women's golf, there is the LPGA deciding these are the five majors. The problem when you can do that is some say, well, just because you say it doesn't make it true. And, and I think that's where people are with Evian. Just because you, and some players have said that, just because you say it's a major doesn't make it a major. Uh, so you you know, th there's good and bad on each side of it. But the reality is um, th that the LPGA says it is a major. And, and let's keep in mind, the KLPGA has their majors. The Japan LPGA has its majors. These are not the only majors in women's golf, but they are the five majors on the LPGA. And they're the ones that are largely considered the women's, the five women's majors. I say largely. You know, certainly if you're outside Korea and Japan, you'd say these are the five. Uh, and, and it does make a huge – and even people in those countries would acknowledge when Inji Chun or Hyoju Kim were to win a major on, on the LPGA, their lives changed dramatically more so than if they win a major on the KLPGA. All that to say, whether you like it or not, it has been officially declared as a major championship. And I do think there is something to be said. I don't think this is the – this is the be-all, end-all. But I do think when you declare something to be a major and everyone goes into it understanding that it, it has been declared that, then there is a, a different kind of pressure that comes along with it. And, and I think that's where we are with Evian. That's all really well stated. And I think apart from it being thought of as the fifth major when everybody's used to four, uh, apart from it being the most recent major addition to the LPGA Tour. It seems like the the big bone to pick or the, the, the area of frustration or consternation has been the golf course itself. And it's undergone some changes. Uh, it famously seemed to come to a head in 2019 you had Lexi Thompson who missed the cut and took to Instagram after that second round saying, quote, you're a beautiful place, Evian, but that's just too many bad breaks with good shots for me. So buy Evian championship. Hashtag just not for me. Hashtag all good. Hashtag onward. Uh, she would clarify. I guess she would take down that note and clarify a bit later saying my words were only directed at my frustration of not playing well in a major and at the unfortunate bounces we all get while playing this crazy game of golf. I didn't mean it in a way, in a mean way at all. 
obviously just hasn't been the course for me the last few years. Now, she hasn't been back since then. So you have, you know, she's always been a top 10 player. This year, she's slipped a little bit. She is not playing again this year. Uh, adding to that in 2019 was Stacy Lewis, the current Solheim Cup captain, saying, quote, you can't just throw money on a tournament and call it a major. The golf course is nowhere up to the standards of what it needs to be. She hasn't been back since 2019. Um, so I think that's where that just obviously adds a lot of fuel to the fire of this isn't really a major. You've seen the course. I grant personally, my philosophy is I like randomness in golf. Hell, it's what makes links golf so much fun, right? You don't know exactly where the ball is going to bounce or if you're going to get a good break or a bad break. Is that kind of what they're talking about or we're talking about in 2019, or does it go deeper than that, in your opinion? Well, Lexi was pissed. I mean, she got a couple of, you know, bad bounces that week, and you will get them there. It's on a hillside. I mean, it is it, it's a it is a quirky, funky course. Both of those players, incidentally, began their LPGA careers before Evian was a major. Uh, they They remember when, so to speak. And those are two of the leaders. Those have, those have been two of the, the faces of American golf over the last 10 to 15 years, for sure. And their words carry weight. And, and, uh, and, I, and I think Lexi was understandably upset, but I think she was right to, to post the, the mea culpa uh, after she said that. You get weird bounces in, as you say, in Lynx golf, Pebble Beach. There were some weird bounces, some, some weird places. I don't know of any player, and there probably are. I haven't talked to everyone. I don't know of, of any player who thinks it's the best golf course they've ever played. It's a golf course that typically doesn't really reward the biggest hitters. I mean, look at the winners, Hyoju Kim, Lydia Ko, NG Chun, Anna Nordquist, Angela Stanford, Jin Young Ko. There wasn't one in 2020. Minji Lee, 2021, she can certainly move it out there. Last year, Brooke, plenty of length. But most of the winners are medium to shortish hitters. Almost all of them are really good putters. And as I said, um, for as fluky as the course may be, the winners are the opposite. I mean, yes. Yoju Kim Which was, a te- was a teenage major champion. She, had already, she was already a phenom on, on the KLPGA. Enji Chun won Evian the year after winning the U.S. Open at Lancaster. Uh, Angela Stanford, it was her first major, but Angela was in a way a little bit like a Sergio or a Marco Mira. She had knocked on the door at a bunch of major championships, Solheim Cup stalwart, proven winner, finally broke through. Jin young Ko, it was her second major of the year. Minji, you knew she was going to win. Then she did. Then she won the U.S. Open the next year. Brooke, you can say, uh, should, it, should it not be a major? Should it be? I promise you, for Brooke Henderson, it was a major last year. She, she went into it. Everyone goes into it thinking it's a major. Uh, and, and, and so the golf course is quirky, um, but the winners are not. And that's the fascinating point. I'm so glad you brought that up because it, it, it is such an impressive list of winners in its short history. Suzanne Pedersen won the first one. She's the European Solheim Cup captain just by chance this year. 
And yeah, I, I, I'm glad you said that about Angela Stanford because on the surface, she's the one that's not like the others in that, you know, the, the other, what, eight champions uh, of this major are world-class and, and honestly have continued to be world-class, which I find really, really interesting for a course that people lament, oh, it's quirky, it's, it's funky, you get bad bounces. Well, hey, it seems to identify, you know, and, and produce world-class winners. And that's a credit to it, I think. I, 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 I don't know how to explain that, but I, I like that it's at least producing uh, name brand winners. Well, I mean, you can go to something as, um, to some maybe cliche as, I don't think it's cliche at all, but uh, you can go to, to what Nicholas used to say about, courses where guys were complaining you know like he had he knew he had half the field beat before they even teed off because guys were in such a negative mindset i i do think evian produces because of the of the funky bounces because of some of the 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 vagaries of it there are people who go into it kind of with a with with almost a a, a negative subconscious attitude it's like okay you know um rather than saying hey i'll, I'll figure it out um you know, not every sh bad shot I hit was a bad bounce. Sometimes it's because I hit a bad shot. And if I get a bad bounce, that's golf. And okay, I'll deal with it. Um, and Hyoju is the only player. So you have, you have what, nine winners as a major. There have been nine winners since it became a major. Seven of them have won multiple major championships. And in the case of Hyoju, she lost a playoff at the 2018 um, U.S. Open. Had it won, it looked like, before area came from behind uh, in, in the playoff. Angela, in you know, 20 years ago, looked like she had the U.S. Women's Open, and Hillary Lunky had one of the great, you know, um, weeks, uh, shockers, long shots uh, in the history of golf, women or men. So Angela's contended at multiple major championships. Uh, then the others have all won multiple majors. So. Um, I, I think there is something about the test that Evian provides that demands one um, just not get defeated by it. And you can say, well, it shouldn't happen. Um, again, I, I do think you, you were going to, you know, we've just seen it here at the Open in the last few days. Um that's part of golf. And does that mean the course can't be improved? It did undergo a massive renovation a few years ago. Some still think it wasn't enough. But but I think I, I think it, it it's better to do one or the other. If if you're like Stacy and you say, to me it's not a it's not really major caliber, so I'm not going, then don't go. Uh but if you're going, then go and and Prepare to get some some weird bounces. Prepare to get you know maybe a, a little bit of the rub of the green. But if you're going, then go and be you know be prepared to to have the right kind of attitude about it. And if you do, then whether anybody likes it or not, you're going to be called a major champion. I mean, last year's leaderboard, uh, of course, it was almost a, a, a Cinderella story with Sophia Schubert. She yeah. had a magnificent week, Brooke. Uh, just clipped her on on Sunday to, like we said, capture the title. But besides Sophia, you had, I mean, just names in the top 10 last year. Lydia Ko, Jin Young Ko, Nellie Korda, Ling Grant, Ataya Titicum, 
Juju Kim, Charlie Hall, Say Young Kim. I mean, that's what more. Honestly, I, I look at these leaderboards. I'm like, what else could I ask for? Yeah. That's as and, good and, as it gets. Right. And, and Sophia, uh, a U.S. amateur champion. It's not like no one had ever heard of her. I mean, she she was a you know she she was legit, and it was a rookie season. Jennifer Cupcho came in second. Her rookie season. Sophia played great. Uh, and to say that you know, for anyone to say that you know, Sophia playing well that week somehow uh, denigrated it. I think really didn't look at the rest of the leaderboard as you just did because it was great. And there's almost, I mean, Leanne Pace who decided to come to the U S on a whim and play shop, right. And top 30 and got into KPMG was, you know, was in contention the first two and a half days. So that happens at yeah. almost every major championship, you know, including, you know, the ones we've seen in, in men's golf this year. So, you know, there's nothing fluky about the winners. And I think it's uh, I think it's a testament to the fact that at the very least, whether you like the courts or not, there's been something about designating this a major and people going into it against a stacked field every year from around the world. I mean, you get uh, this was a, a, for many the first time that we saw Ayaka Budaway. A couple of years ago, she top fived it. Ataya Titikun was playing on the, the L.E.T. a couple of years ago and won Rookie of the Year and Player of the Year. And now she's been number one in the world, you know, on the LPGA Tour as a second-year player. It's a chance to bring people from all over the world together. And I, I think it's produced the kind of winners that you'd hope to see at a major championship. I hear you guys sometimes talk about you know, uh, in, in men's majors, you know, was that a, was that a winner that got everybody fired up? I mean, the ones at Evian get you fired up. The other stuff about it may not fire you up, but the winners do. Yeah. Yeah. I think I got it. Grant. You, Have I sold you? I, I, I think I'm sold now. I, I, I know I'm going to have to do a lot of work on my colleague, Tron Carter, but I I'm sold. I'm, I'm all in. You know what it would take? You probably couldn't do strapped at Evian because um, I don't think either of the hotels there. You, you'd be done. You'd be over on the first night. But a, a, I was going to say, it seems like the antithesis of strapped. Yeah, it's an amazing place. Uh, and, and again, I'm not. Uh, I'm not contending that the golf course is uh, the best that they'll play or that it's universally beloved. That tournament has done a lot for women's golf, and for that, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm appreciative. Yeah, I, th- I think that's well stated and probably the the bottom line takeaway uh, for for myself and for folks listening. Uh, Grant, I, w- I want to get into some predictions, but before we get there, if you don't mind, because I love talking LPGA with you, can I ask you some specific questions about some specific players? Let's go. All right, let's start at the top of the Rolex rankings. Jin Young Ko, uh, she broke... Lorena Ochoa's record earlier this year, most weeks ranked number one. I guess my question is, as as a former winner, actually, um, as you said, one of her two majors, both in 2019, is it fair to be a little bit disappointed by her major record since 2019? Um, I know she's had a lot of top 10 finishes, a lot of good weeks, I'll say, at first blush. But is it fair to expect more given what she has done, uh, you know, 
being ranked number one, her greens and regulation streak. I mean, we know Jin Young Ko is a fabulous world-class player. Yeah, I don't know if it's fair to expect. I, I think it's understandable to expect. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm just reminded that it, it it's just hard to win. And we are in, I think, an era of great parity in many ways on the LPGA Tour, maybe more than they've had in, in, in its history. I think it, it speaks to it speaks to how deep the fields are week in, week out on uh, on the LPGA Tour and in major championships. Uh, I, I I believe that the stat is that 20 of the last 21 major winners were different. Minji is the only repeat winner. Others have won majors before. And I'm saying of the last 21 major championships played, there were 20 different winners. I think that probably uh, speaks to where Jin Young Ko is. Uh, I, my my colleagues remind me all the time, it's hard to win. You know, Morgan Pressel was an absolute superstar. She won twice on the LPGA Tour, official wins. One of them was a major championship when she was 18, and then she won the next year in Hawaii, and then came close a hundred other times. Uh, Karen Stupples won a major championship in 2004. It was her second win of 04. Those were her two LPGA wins. You know, they were going up the li- uh, against the likes of Annika and Lorena and, and Kari Webb, and and just beating those players was hard enough, say we Pac and, and others. Now, you know, whereas you might have had to beat 10 players, you know, back in those days, but all 10 were great. Now you've got, you know, maybe 25 or, or 30 or more players who absolutely can win. Allison Corpuz was barely inside the top 30 when she won U.S. Women's Open, Ronin Yen, age 20, you know, inside the top 30 uh, on, on the LPGA in, in the Rolex rankings. You know, you go back and look at Lilia Vu, who had broken through and won earlier this year. Ronin Yen had also won earlier this year. Allison hadn't won, but she had put herself in the final group a couple of times, and uh, including in a major at Chevron. Uh, these are not fluke winners, but they're not number one in the world either. I mean, Lydia in 2016 at, at Mission Hills was the last number one woman to win a major entering the week as number one. Uh, and so for Jen Young, I would say it's surprising just because you figure she wins so much elsewhere. But but look at what all I would say about Jen Young is this, and I'm a huge fan of hers. I'm, I, as you know, a huge fan of the whole LPGA. But as Jen, in Jen Young's case, she wins two majors in 2019. You think, okay, here we go. Well, then the whole world gets turned upside down with COVID the next year. She doesn't even play a tournament for months and months and months. Starts playing in Korea, kind of second half of 2020 as that tour reopens. She comes and plays four events on the LPGA Tour to end the season and won the money title in four starts because she finished 30th or something at Pelican, 6th or something in Dallas, 2nd at the U.S. Women's Open to Aileen Kim, and then wins the CME Group Tour Championship. So she only played, I think, one major that year. Then 2021 comes along, and you know this, everything gets – so she really lost a year, you could say. But yeah, I think it's a little surprising. I would say this about Jin Young. We saw her shoot scores that we just never saw her shoot before. It was shocking in the second half of this time last year when she was really under the the weight of that that wrist injury and trying to play through it, finally took some time off, seven or eight weeks off, came back, was not herself. 
Now we're seeing her win again. She's won twice in impressive fashion. She beat Nelly and, and Allison Corpus in the final group in Singapore. She came from behind, beat Minji at the Founders Cup. But we're not seeing that insane kind of consistency that we saw in 2019 when she went 114 straight holes without a bogey or, or even the end of 2021 when she was player of the year, 63 straight greens in regulation. She shot 79 at Pebble. One of, the, one of the most shocking rounds I've seen all year, opening round, came back, missed the cut by one. Um, you know, so I, I just think, and then last week, played okay, but I think she was 26 or something. Uh, it, she's still number one in the world, but she's, she's just not that insane dominant number one. And I think the wrist injury had a lot to do with it um, and, and some of the, the mental stress that that put on her, put on her at the time. But she still deserves to be number one. Yeah, uh, it's funny because the other, you know, the the number two in the world, Nelly Corda, uh, disappointing. But just one in London uh, on the uh, the Aramco, the LET event, and Lydia Ko. I was going to say, you know, she hasn't played well outside of tournaments this year, sponsored by Aramco, and. I, I, I'm hopeful, I guess, with Nelly. You know, she was out injured. I, I don't know if she's fully healthy. I'm I'm speculating there because I, I don't know. But hopefully she's as she's come back and, and having to go right into two difficult major tests. Hopefully the LET, you know, she's starting to kind of play back into form, knock off some rust. I could see her having a big week this week, but curious if if you feel like she's primed or if we should be a little concerned given what we saw at KPMG in the U.S. Women's Open. I think KPMG was was a not a great golf course for her. I mean, we thought it was going to favor the big hitters. It didn't really. It took, you know, in some cases, um, driver out of their hands the way the course was set up. I, I, I love the way it was set up. I thought it, it, Ronin Yin is an absolute stud and I, I can't wait to see where she's going. I, I, I became infatuated with her last year, just getting to know her a little bit as a rookie. Um, just her journey. She is an, uh, you know, that's not, she's not the one you asked about. We can talk about her later, but, uh, Ronin absolutely deserved to win that week. And, and it was a very fair test, but it didn't necessarily reward always the biggest hitters. And plus Nelly was coming off five, six weeks off. That one didn't concern me. Uh, she shot 80 in the final round of the, uh, at Pebble, which I think you could maybe credit to the end of a long week, you know, still hadn't played a whole lot. I, I thought this last week was great for Nelly. Three rounds, low key. She beat four other top 30 in the world players or three others, I guess. Georgia Hall was uh, up there and, and Charlie Hall and Leona McGuire, three legit, you know, players. Um, but it was a low key kind of week. It's always good to win, I think, just just to say you won. Um, it's an LET event. Sure, go. She's going to stay over there in Europe. Uh, she'll, you know, now here she is uh, at Evian. Uh, she's she's had some good success there at Evian. And, again, it doesn't reward necessarily the biggest hitters, but Nelly is good enough to win anywhere on any kind of a golf course, and she's proven she can win a major. Um, so, yeah, I'd be surprised if Nelly played poorly this week. And this is now – three events, four events, if you count the LET event, getting some reps in. Um, for Lydia, uh, it, it, it's been an interesting nine, seven, eight, nine months. You know, ascends back to number one, but then gets married, 
She's, I think, in a very happy place in her life. I know she is off the course. But, you know, you now have to decide how much am I going to play? And she didn't play very much at the beginning of the year. She hardly played at all. She'd play and then take three weeks off, play, take a month off, play. I think when she got to uh, when she got to KPMG, it was the second time all year she'd played back to back weeks, even which you know. And she and she, and I thought it was curious with Lydia. She's got the change in her her personal life, which is great, but she switched from Sean Foley, with whom she went from outside the top fifty in twenty twenty to number one in the world again. Switched with him back to Ted O, with whom she had worked a little bit before. And and Derek Kistler, who had caddied for her the previous two years, you know, she made a change there. And she's got Davy Jones, who's a you know great guy um, and and a great caddy. So it's not that Ted O, really good coach, coached for a long time, good player back in his day. It's not that who she changed to wasn't you know good, but she went through changes. And I think when you go through changes off the course, and then you know caddies, some people say that we talk too much about them. I don't know. I mean. Um, had a pretty good thing going. I don't know all the dynamics there and all, but she just made some changes. And, and I think she's still working into some of those changes. I'd be surprised if Lydia um, didn't play well in the second half of the season. She's too good. Uh, I, I think she's pissed. Uh, she, she had a tweet or a, an Instagram post after missing the cut at Meyer that was very un-Lydia-like. It was five birdies in two days is not enough. Time to go back to work. She's too good. We've seen it too many times. Is she the third best player in the world right now? Probably not. But with Lydia, Evian, funky bounces, got to make some clutch putts. Why not? Well, somebody who seems like they would be the third, one of the three best players in the world, if not the best player in the world, Allison Corpuz, of course, won at Pebble, her first LPGA win, her first major. But then I think Grant, even more impressive after a life-changing win, all the media, you know, your life is just upended for several days. She comes across three time zones and finishes runner up at, at uh, up in Toledo, which I think speaks to, Hey, she is locked in right now. My question for you, you've seen more of her and I'm going to make you play prognosticator. Is this more of a, awesome, awesome heater that she's on? Or do you believe that she kind of talent-wise belongs in that top 10 player in the world conversation? Anyone who can hit 85% of their fairways, to me, <laughs> is is uber talented. Uh, you and I, who love this game but are confounded by it and bedeviled by it, you know, I think I responded to your tweet about that, or, or maybe Solly's, by saying, I don't think I've hit 85% of any fairway in my life. Uh, which doesn't make sense, of course, but it, it's it's the point. There is a talent to hitting the ball straight, and they hit it straighter on average on the LPGA Tour than they do in men's golf. But she hits it dead straight. She um, she doesn't wow. She's not you know the longest hitter on tour. She's not short. She's got enough distance, certainly enough distance to win at Evian. And it's not a heater she's on, although she is playing at the at a high level. I would say this. She was unranked at the beginning of 2022 because she went to Q-Series as an amateur, got through all three stages of Q-Series. She was a, a, a good player in college, but it wasn't like she was Rose coming out. She was good, but she gets through all three stages of Q-School, including Q-Series, unranked at the beginning of 2022. Now she's in the, you know, she's in the top five or six in the world. 
to me, the moment where I really became impressed with her was the Lotte Championship. This is so random, but it's the kind of thing you see when you're out there week to week. The Lotte 2022, it was maybe your third start, fourth start ever as a LPGA player. And she finished tied for 18th. And you say, oh, what so? But that was a home game for her. She was playing in front of hundreds of friends and family from Hawaii and everyone expecting her to take the mantle from Michelle Wee. And, and it wasn't a backdoor 63 on Sunday to come from out of the pack. She was up there toward the top the whole week. It wasn't, it wasn't the kind, it was the kind of thing I just wrote down in my notes, like, okay, T18 at home with all the expectations, all the pressure. Okay, cool. Then she played well again, had a terrific rookie season, not the kind like a Ty Titicum where she won twice and became number one, but put herself there in contention multiple times. She played in the final group at the ISPS in Northern Ireland, where Maya Stark shot, I think, 63, 10 under, came back to win. You know, nobody was going to beat Maya that day, but she just like it was. I think she was thirty to thirty fifth. I don't have that handy. Like on the CME, as a rookie, like rookies get me inside the top hundred so I can keep my card. Instead, Allison very quietly thirty, thirty two, thirty three, thirty four CME points list last year. Then beginning of this year, she goes to Singapore. She gets herself into the final group against the two best players in the world, Jin Young Ko and Nelly Korda. Jin Young won it. The other two didn't really lose it. Allison stood tall, hung in there. She even referred to that, I think, at Pebble. That got my attention. But it was it was the middle of the night in the U.S. Not a lot of people were watching. Only the nerds, uh, you know, were were up that late in the U.S. And then she gets herself into the final pair at Chevron. And again, didn't play her great. I, I, I thought it was interesting to hear her say at Pebble that that week she felt like she was kind of scraping it around. Uh, and and in a way, she surprised herself to get into that position. And all credit to to Lilia and to Angel Yen for putting on a show that day. But that th- this isn't like, whoa, where did Allison Corpus come from? This is something for a year and a half that we've been watching uh, and doesn't surprise me in the least. She's not flashy. I, I think um, she's not someone who, you know, seeks the spotlight. And I think... Um, She's got a good support system, and and I agree. It was incredibly impressive to watch her on fumes, basically, come across the country to a place where she had missed the cut last year, uh, Highland Meadows, and, and put up a score that prop, that would have won all but, I think, three of that those tournaments through the years. 18-under wins, wins at Highland Meadows a lot, and uh, all credit to Lynn Grant for getting it done. For anybody who was disappointed that Allison won – the U S women's open or thought that, you know, it's, it's a fluke or an undeserving mm-hmm. win. I, I am a big fan. Yeah. And, and I think if, if you have been paying attention, this has been building and it's, it's wonderful to see her pay it off. You said Lane Grant, that was the other one I wanted to ask you about, not, not to bury the lead with her actually winning in Toledo a couple weeks ago, but that was the breakthrough performance I think everybody was waiting for. Of course, Lynn didn't get to play stateside until, I believe, uh, was it April or May of this year? when Bank of Hope, yeah, match play. That's right. Uh, but came over much ballyhooed because of her success on the LET the past couple of years. She's here. 
Grant, are, are you, and I forget if we've really specifically talked about Lynn in the past, so forgive me, but are, so. are, are, are you a believer? She, she, is she a, you know, top 10 player? Is she somebody that's going to be reckoned with for the next however many years? I think she's number one potential. Um, wow. I, and I, and I think she's got the number one kind of mindset, um, there is something happening in, I think, in all of golf, and I think we see it in women's golf as well. Um, there, there, and and I'm glad to see it as a human being. I think people are getting control of their mental health. I think athletes in every sport are are, are doing better. You know, at at uh, as Marshawn Lynch used to say, handling their mentals. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, and of course, you know, in times of trouble, we look to Marshawn Lynch uh, for for wisdom. He's a wise um, man. Yeah. I I love him, um, and I think he's a hundred percent right. And what you have a lot now is people saying, "I I just I want to be happy. I want to. Uh, I I don't want golf to define me. I want that as well. I I I I don't want any of these human beings because I I know so many of them personally." And so many have become, in some cases, good friends of mine. I don't want them, for their own mental health sake, to make golf something it isn't. And there is, there is no, there is no player who could achieve what these players do without an internal kind of drive that we really can't quantify very well. Um, you know, you you look at a Tiger Woods and you see someone who visibly wants it so desperately. Does that mean Scotty Scheffler doesn't because he doesn't emote as much as Jordan Spieth or as much as Tiger or Rory or whatever? That would be offensive to Scotty Scheffler to say that that's, that that's the case. Um, and, and so different people show it in different ways. That, that's, that's a buildup to say that Lynn Grant in every way has the external and internal uh, talking to, you know, Missy Kay, her coach at Arizona State, which is when we really got to know Lynn in the U.S. for the first time, there is a deep drive and desire to not just win, but to dominate, to be to be the best. Uh, and not everybody has that, nor necessarily should they. I'm just saying she does. It, it, she was second going into the into the weekend at the U.S. Open as an amateur. I think she was a she might have been a freshman at. Uh, at Arizona State, you know, and here she is second place with Shibuno going into the weekend at, at Champions at the 2020 U.S. Open that December. And like most amateurs, you know, struggled a bit on the weekend, but still had a, I think, top 25 finish. That was when she really was like, okay, this this player is legit. Then she turns pro uh, at, uh, you know, at the in August of 2021. So we're coming up on two years as a pro. Darn near wins two LET events. Comes to Q-Series. And, and here's what gets confusing. She comes to Q-Series in the U.S. and she gets through Q-Series. Well, just as she does that, the vaccination rules change and the Biden administration implements these rules that say if you're unvaccinated you and you don't live in the U.S., you can't come in or you can't leave and come back. Not that, you know, Lynn was unvaccinated. Lynn, you know, said that's not something I want to do. Wasn't asking for sympathy, by the way. Some people were saying, well, that's her choice. She was like, it is my choice, and I'm not asking you to feel sorry for me. I'm just going to stay in Europe. But that, that it created the odd scenario of a player having her LPGA tour card, 
but never playing a single shot in the United States. Well, what did she do? She played six events that weren't in the U.S., some in Asia, mostly in Europe. And she played so well, she finished 50-something on the CME points list, but didn't come and play the CME Tour Championship because she she was unvaccinated. Well, that goalpost kept being moved. There was going to be It was going to end here, then it was going to end here, then it was going to end here. Finally, it was announced it was going to end May 11th. Well, that meant that she was going to miss the first Chevron at, at Carlton Woods, and she was going to miss the Hanwha Life Plus International Crown. She was going to play for Sweden. And then finally it did end. She comes to the U.S., full member because she finished inside the top, you know, she finished 50th or whatever, and then finishes third in her first event, the Bank of Hope match play, gets to the semifinals, then plays two majors, and then all of a sudden she gets in her first regular season stroke play start and shoots 21 under and wins by three and it you know at times it was six you know it was a dominant performance it took Allison Corp who's playing out of her mind to get to stay within three so when you look at it that way here's a player who won in her first start in the U.S. as a member that was stroke play and not a major I, I realize those are a lot of qualifiers but the point is it was her fourth start total and her first in in that uh, situation so she's She's exciting. And here she goes to Evian this week, a place that she won earlier this year on the L.E.T. when they had the Jabra Ladies Open there. Um, you know, why you wouldn't pick her, I don't know. Well, and top 10 last year, I believe, tied for yeah, eight. That exactly. At the Evian. That, that's how that's how yeah. she, that's one of the reasons she kept her card because she topped eight. That's yeah. right. Only thing to add the, the as part of the dominating performance in Toledo had a real look at becoming the second woman to ever shoot a 59 or better on the LPGA we, tour. We, I we were it. doing it. Yeah. And, yeah. And, 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 you know, there are people who say, even some of my colleagues looked at me like, you know, don't say it, you know, I'm going to say it. I mean, if a player's eight under through 12 and nine under through 13, I'm saying it, I, I'm not going to say it if they're yeah. three under through four, but, it, but if you're nine under through third, because that'd be me. And I know I'm not on 59. I was going to say, whenever I birdie the first, that's my go-to joke walking off hashtag the Hashtag 59 watch. Um, <laughs> yeah. So to me, when you're nine under through 13, and you it's a par 71, so you've got to get to 12, not 13, under par. And when you end with back-to-back par fives and you hit it as long as Lynn Grant does, uh, I'm going with it. And, you know, yeah. hey, she, she admitted afterwards that – she she found herself uh, fully aware of where she was in the round and aware that she was leading by a good margin. And she, I mean, reading between, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it, it sounds like she basically said, I took my foot off the gas because I was like, I'm in good shape here. Mm-hmm. And the first shot she hit after she kind of realized that, she hits kind of an average, it was the worst shot she had hit in about two hours. Um and and then she goes on to make a bogey on one hole from the fairway, comes back with a birdie, you know, and shoots 62 and, and leads by six going into the final round and wins it. So, um, yeah, she, she absolutely – it, it was a legit look at 59. Five holes to play. She needed to play – I mean, she needed to play those five holes in three under, and two of them were par five. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh well, I love hearing you talk about her. That that gets me fired up because if there's one thing I think so I've been yearning for a little bit more on the women's side is just I, I want to know, and again, I know everyone's not built like this, and it's unfair to ask people to be something they're not, 
but it is fun when you you get some some players that show you how much it means and and, yes. and have that competitive fire within the ropes. Uh, that's a good thing. So kudos to her. Uh, Grant, let's make some predictions. I God, I have so much more on our agenda, but that just means I'm going to have to bring you back some time to, uh, to chat again. I sometimes give long answers. I don't know if you've noticed that. Well, and we like, I'm, we'd like I'll that. I'll go to because... my support group after this. It'll be about <laughs> eight hours long. Believe um, me, you speaking is a lot better than me speaking. No, so no, I don't know about that. Uh, Evian, I mentioned, I, I think interestingly, I, I did not note this, you know, especially this year, it's the only major with the Chevron moving to Carlton Woods, uh, their new home. It's the only major where anybody's ever really seen the course before, which I think is interesting. And it brings into, uh, you know, as the saying goes, some horses for courses. And you really don't have to look much further than a lot of the former champions. I, I was just kind of doing some stats last night. You know, Brooke Henderson in seven starts has six top 25s, three top 10s, and a win. Lydia Ko in nine starts has seven top 10s, four of those top fives with a win. Um, Se Young Kim is somebody, I know I know she hasn't played particularly great, but man, strong track record here. And then even some of the younger players, Ataya Titicum has two top 10s and three starts. We mentioned Lynn Grant, finishing tied for eighth last year in her lone start. So something to keep an eye on. Uh, I should say Allison Corpuz, if you're wondering, she missed the cut here last year. Uh, Rose Zhang has played twice as an amateur, making the cut, but, uh, you know, not, not really. Yeah, I, not a factor. Not really relevant. So let's start here, Grant. Uh, I have three things that I want to ask you. I want to ask you about a surprise top 10. We'll kind of think of somebody like Sophia Schubert or somebody kind of out of nowhere that you think might have a good week. I want to ask you about a surprise miscut and then we'll make an official pick to win. So anybody that you like as a surprise to play well that you feel like has been maybe building to this moment, but very much under the radar. Um, of course, we may have different definitions of that. How about Perrine Delacour? She's from France. Uh, Perrine I, is I a think that weak, absolutely qualifies. Yeah, yeah Perrine Delacour is a, is a player who's gotten herself she, – she got a handful of top tens, a couple of three top tens in her career. Um, is not a, you know, not a name that people w- would immediately jump out and, and pick, but a very solid player, a player who kind of got her mentals together, as she admitted. She competed in the Olympics. She's French. Um, so, um, I, I would not be surprised if, if, uh, Perrine on home soil plays well. I'll add her, her balls, ball striking at Pebble. You know, yeah. I love the, uh, the, the strokes gain data that we got at uh-huh. Pebble for that one Wasn't week. That great. But her ball striking was, I believe maybe first or second in the field, at least going into Sunday, she was hitting the ball beautifully. I actually like that call home game for yeah. in France. Uh, yeah, there's a lot going there. How about a surprise miscut from you? You know, it was a surprise that Rose missed the cut, I think, especially after shooting 66 uh, in round one at Toledo. Um, I, you know, with for me, I think I, I could see Rose missing the cut. I could see her winning. Um, as you said, she's played it a couple of times. A couple of years ago, she played the final round of Jin Young Ko, number one in the world, and um, so she's gotten a taste of it before. 
I, I do think it'll be in. I think that was, I think the, the, the 77 she, she shot on, uh, on Friday at Highland Meadows was more a function of just finally the tank being below empty and the car literally stops. Um, you know, you've been coasting for a while, hasn't played a whole lot. Um, but, but I do think, um, now making the trip overseas, I, I'd be, I, I'd be, if you had to guess, I'd say she's going to make it. She'll make the cut. Um, but, uh, you asked for a surprise missed cut and, um, you know, I'll throw Allison in there only because I think we're getting to something similar now with her. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not because she's not awesome. She's another one. You know, if you say, you know, she's going to miss it, she could easily win it. But, but I do think uh, she was on fumes and held it together. Uh, she's so darn good. Um, you know, so she might win the darn thing, but if uh, th- that would qualify, right. If Allison missed the cut after going, first Absolutely. and second the last two weeks yeah. I, I'm, yeah. I'm not rooting for it but it, it, I, I think a human being a body's got so much in the tank and uh you know she's back home in la and then now she makes the trip over this week um for evian i'm i'm hoping she plays great because i'm a big fan of hers I this, is, I this is your fault you asked me for a surprise miss scott so allison this is on big randy <laughs> Uh, and I'm realizing I didn't give my surprise top ten, and Let's it's go. a good it's a good chance to test my pronunciation skills. How about uh, Pajari Ana Ana Narukarn? Perfect. Would that qualify? That's exactly I, I, how she says it. Okay. Yeah. She played Pajari really Anna well Rukarn. here. She played really well here a couple of years ago. Uh, yeah. The year Minji won. Um, she's had some good weeks. I, I feel like it's a name that. A lot of people might not know right off the top of her head, but also she's like 26 this year in the race to the CME. So yep. if she wants, she won match play. Uh, and there again, you know, match play is not straightforward. You get, she won on a, that was a brutally hardcore shadow Creek and match play itself is vague. You don't know. You could shoot seven under and lose, or you could shoot three over and win. Um, that match play is, is, you know, you could say there are some similarities you know, to a, a quirky golf course, which Evian certainly is. You just find a way, and she certainly did that. Um, and, and she, you know, she won in Europe, won in Northern uh, Ireland uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, Padre, to me, she's not. She wouldn't even count as a surprise. But yeah, she she's that good. I, and that's for those in the know, not a surprise. No, I think I'm, I'm just but, thinking but of yeah. not really a brand name. Yeah. Uh, and then my surprise miscut would be a little bit thinking along the lines of just, I feel like she peaked probably KPMG week and has been sliding a little bit, and that's Leona McGuire. I, mm. I feel like she seemed tired coming down the stretch at, at Pebble. Um, you know, if, if I have to make a surprise miscut, uh, she would be my guess for that. All right. I, I, yeah. I do think, I do think Leona fits the, the, the mold of a winner there, not the longest hitter, not short, but not the longest great putter, great will, uh, determination. Um, you know, she played that, that let event in London. She also shot 61 a couple of years ago on Sunday at Evian. So she, you know, she's not somebody who thinks that she doesn't get psyched out by the course. Um, so 
any of these one anytime you say surprise missed cut you're also talking about somebody who absolutely could win the darn thing so yes yes we we could that's what's fun you know you never know we we might look smart we might look foolish they have a casino in evian let's roll the dice (laughs) all right i'll get you out of here who's your official pick to win oh picking winners i mean geez oh pete um i'm gonna go with one that um that is mainly based on how she's played there before and how well she's played all year and just the style of winner that Evian has had. I'm going to say Ayaka Fudue. Uh, Ayaka has basically been in contention every week since May, April or May. Um, Phenomenal putter, you know, hits it on a string, not super long. um, And, and, you know, she, she just is somebody who keeps giving herself chances. And um, she, you know, she would be the third of 10 players who hadn't, you know, hasn't won a major um, of the Evian winners. But I think, I think Ayak is the kind who, you know, uh, is, is major caliber. I absolutely believe that. And she won this time of year last year. Um, She won the Scottish open with a, a 62 in the final round, you know, so she's, she's got some good memories playing in Europe last summer. I think she finished third or fourth, maybe fourth in 2021 there. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ayaka Fudue, who you got? Well, let me just add some context. Cause Ayaka was somebody that I was looking at and she, she finished top 10 at both KPMG and us women's open since the last week of April. So three months, her worst finish is 14th. She's gone tied for fourth, second, tied for fourth, 14th, tied for 13th, tied for eighth, and tied for sixth. And just real quickly, every single one of those weeks on the back nine Sunday, she had a chance. Okay, so we're, we're, uh, these aren't, you know, a 63 on Sunday to get a T13. I mean, she's playing high leverage golf often in the last group. She played... Padre and Anarukarn in the in the finals of the match play. I just want to make sure some people hear hey, on a nice little run, T three, T nine, and these are every. This is her every single week with at least you know a, 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 an an outside chance to win, often right up there at the top. And I was going to go further. You know, she's currently fifth in the Player of the Year race, points based, uh, and I think a win at Evian might just in the end, lock up a player of the year potentially for somebody like her. It, it probably would really, wouldn't lock it up, but, but it, 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 you know, not it, lock it, it up you, right after the win, no, you but get would go points. a long way. Yeah. You yeah. get double points for, for winning there. Sometime we need to have a, a, a pod about the LPGA's points-based hall of fame, points-based award system. Uh, Cause that, I think that could be a fun debate. I, yeah. Cause I think we'd be on different sides. I know. Ayaka. Great pick. I'm going to go. And it's only solidified here, and you talk about her. Uh, give me Lynn Grant. I, I think great. she's going to be she's going to be riding high. Great form, coming from Toledo. Saw the course last year, as you said, one on the course on an LET earlier this event, year. Which, yeah, I didn't even realize that. That's a couple of months ago. Just, yeah. So I think Lynn Grant. I'm hopeful Rose plays well. I'm just yeah. so excited. Uh, we, we you talked about. Ruining Yin earlier in the episode. There is an influx. Allison Corpus, Lilia Vu. I mean, there are some winners, major champions, 
big time talent coming into the women's game and it's going to be a lot of fun over these next few years. I, so. I, I can't wait. It's been a phenomenal year when you consider that that we've had three first-time major champions, all of whom, to me, have the look of someone who could win another one. And as we know, um, sometimes that doesn't happen in men's and women's golf. But Roseang wins her pro debut. Lynn Grant wins her fourth start, first stroke play non-major, you know, and made the cut in the others. Um, she's here. Uh, you know, if anything, it's almost like we need Nellie and Lydia to get I know. healthy and get and, and mainly just get healthy and kind of get settled in in case of Lydia and her new life. Um, if you get those players to cooperate, Jin Young, you know, is is, is keeps putting herself in these positions. Um, it's really fun. And then when we saw what Charlie Hall did on that 18th hole at Pebble, oh. I mean, that was one of the great moments that of the year. I mean, that's goosebumpy, that you know, yes. so good. And and I still think Georgia Hall would be a great pick to win Evian. She, she's been knocking on the door. I mean, there is so much great golf being played. Then we go to Tom Abbott's home club, Walton Heath for the AIG. And then you get a month off and then you, but by the way, we got Canada at Shaughnessy in Vancouver, which is going to be awesome. And, and then you go to Finca Cortezine for the Solheim Cup. I mean, it is, it's, it's been such a fun year and a chance to break through some of the traditional molds for Rose to be on the Today Show and Lynn Grant to have, you know, the, the odd start to her career. And now she's won. It's it's great. Good times. Amen. Amen. Well, Grant, you always get me so excited about LPGA women's golf. I love, love, love when we can chat. So thank you very much for jumping on this week. And uh, enjoy, enjoy the Evian this weekend. I will. Au revoir. Au revoir. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. 